Hey, aloha, everybody. This is Jeff Reinbold, another edition of Coffee with Coach. And my man, Mike, is jumping on with us right quick. Michael, how was Fane? First of all, before we get into football, let's talk a little bit of your little holiday down in España. Esther de la Loca. Uh, buenas noches. Yeah, it was nice. It was, it was nice to get away. I'm a bit red. I'm not going to lie. Um, I was going to say, I, I, but... <laughs> You came through it a little better than I thought you were going to be today. I thought you would be just <laughs> absolutely. You thought I was still in Spain last night. You, you thought I was still there. So fair, fair play for thinking I was still there, which thank God I'm not. Uh, no, I got home at the weekend, so loved it. I was saying, Jeff, I've seen a few um, few NFL fans out there. Um, there was a Patriots fan on the flight home. God help them. And uh, there was also Dolphins fans as well. So, uh, you know, Interesting. It's it, you know what Dolphins fans, particularly when you go to the UK, always see a lot of Dolphins fans. And we got a question today from one of the Dolphins fans, which we're going to get to. And it's a question that I get a bunch when we talk about the Dolphins, and it has to do with Tua. And I think uh, you know we're going to delve into some of the issues that Tua has faced in his in his time with the with the Miami Dolphins. And you know again, he's a kid from here. He's a great kid. I'm rooting for him big time to succeed. But I, I think the journey the journey is going to be a, a, a not I won't say a long one, but it's going to be an interesting one for Tua. It's been a, since we last spoke, it's been quiet, but it hasn't been quiet. There's been stuff going on. Aaron Donald, Jeff, is now the highest paid non-quarterback in the league. A huge bonus yesterday. Can someone tell me, Jeff, where um, the Rams are getting their money from. Where are they finding this cap space? This is this is incredible stuff. Well, we 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 said this all along that the one of the most important hires that an, that a coach has got to make or an organization has got to make is it used to be the head coach. It, now it, then the head coach, you better get a, yourself a great offensive line coach. Well, now you better have a capologist that can that can you know use your numbers to the advantage because if you can't manage the cap you can't survive in this you know nfl and obviously the rams have a way that they're getting it done and everybody is going to start following following it because the money that they have shelled out on their superstars and it is a organization that believes in that mentality that you pay your superstars and i i'm i'm all for paying aaron donald because in my mind aaron donald affects the game every single snap as a defensive lineman. This totally blows away the pay structure in the NFL because defensive linemen, particularly tackles, were never, you know, those were those were never big money guys. It was always the ends, the edges, the pass rushers, the corners maybe. But now, oh, man, that is a lot of salad on his plate. Just before we get our guest on in a couple of seconds, really looking forward to this chat tonight. Do you think Aaron Donald was ever serious about retiring, or do you think he was just playing the game? Well, I'm sure, you know, he doesn't, quote, need the money, right? He could be independently wealthy if he stepped away from football tomorrow. But I just didn't see the way he responded at the Super Bowl and the comments after the Super Bowl. I really think that, he sees that they have a chance to go back and it's tough to get back. We talk about that all the time, but he sees that they've got a chance to get back. And if you got a chance, you know, how about that for your legacy to be a multiple repeat Super Bowl champion 
very, very, very few guys who've ever played the game can say that. And I think that intrigues him. Excited to bring our guest on, Jeff. Uh, do you want me to introduce him or, or do you want to introduce him? On, on no, I'm going to take a whack at this. Now, we, we talk all the time that this is a fan show, and it is. And we try and do a little bit of a fan feature every now and then. And, and uh, we're bringing on a guy here who is really what's cool, I think, is he's a huge NFL fan, a huge football fan. And he's found a way to make football his passion for football his life's work also. This is Ben Mortimer, and Ben is a huge Ravens fan, all right? That's first. We're going to talk about your Ravens fandom first, and then we'll get into touchdown trips because that's a real cool business that you have, and you guys do an amazing job. Ben, why the Ravens? What was it about the Ravens that made you say, that's my club? Well, firstly, thanks for having me on, Coach. Good evening. How are you? I'm awesome. Good. Um, good to see you, by the way. But um, no, it, it, the Ravens. It was. I kind of fell into it. I couldn't not support the Ravens because I actually moved to Baltimore. Um, so I uh, went there in two thousand one for a uh, unrelated job. It's not kind of related. It, it was travel, but very loosely. It was flights, so it wasn't really what what I do now. Um, and I was twenty two. So basically, I knew a guy who needed an office setting up in America. I was kind of on a year out kind of thing um i was meant to be going to become a lawyer so i had like a place at law school and i had a year out and i thought okay yeah you, you, you're giving me a, a job to basically go out on my own and set up an office i'll do anything i don't know what the job is but i'll do it where's baltimore i, I had no clue I, all i knew about baltimore was uh, the first thing i thought of when he mentioned i was moving to baltimore was um science of the lambs and, and hannibal lecter because he was in the, in the sanitarium <laughs> in baltimore so that's all i could think of but anyway moved out there um i'd been there a few months. I moved there in, in, I think it was April 01. Um, so, and I was just outside of DC for the first six months. So I was just kind of, but I didn't know much about the game at that point. So um, I was kind of getting into it because of the preseason was starting. I was still just outside of DC. I was this close to being a Washington fan. And, I then, gonna... I, and then, I, then I got relocated to Baltimore for basically September that year. So I moved there like the week before the season started. Um, again, at 22, didn't really know anyone. So I went out you know, that first weekend, I made some friends. They said, you've got to come to the bar Sunday and watch the Ravens play. And I'm like, who are the Ravens? So it was a couple of weeks of basically socializing before I kind of was fully focused on what was happening on the TV. And then within kind of three weeks, I'm going to, well, why are they throwing that flag? And what does that mean? And what's this guy's purpose? And why do they keep switching, you know, from offense to defense? And who are these special teams guys? Um, and I just got immersed in it. So within a year, um, I kind of I remember watching the playoffs because they made the wild card that year with with Elvis Gerback amazingly, um, and uh, and they still uh, yeah they won a wild card game they got de defeated in the divisional round against the Steelers um, and by then I was kind of all in so I went to my first couple of games in 02, 03 I bought season tickets on eBay and then in 04 I got PSLs and I, and I got to go I was very lucky that I was living downtown. Um, I made some really good friends that tailgated before the game. So we'd meet at 8.30, 9 o'clock every, every game day uh, outside M&T. Uh, and it was a routine. And I just lived for September to come around so we could go to the stadium. And, and so and then I started going to away games. Um, and that's kind of where this came from. I, I just love traveling to watch games. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm lucky. And I'm very lucky that I've seen so many Ravens games. So and I think what appealed to me as well is that I'm a Newcastle fan. You might see Alan Shearer 
behind me, little bobblehead. Um, and this kind of a one-team city with kind of a stadium as as the mecca of all things you know, on game day. And, and obviously Baltimore is a, is a one-team city too, and everyone bleeds purple and black. So um, And also that, at that time, it was a very ugly... No one liked the Ravens. It was the kind of post-2000 um, smash mouth... Win ugly. Uh, you, you score ten points, and the defense does the rest, kind of thing. And it was, you know, it was Ray Lewis. Obviously, is the leader, um, and basically, we didn't really have an offense. We had, you know, kind of a lot of troubles at quarterback, and it was kind of hopefully Todd Heap can make a couple of catches on a weekly basis. Hopefully, Jamal Lewis can, you know, run it down their throats. Um, and it was, it was just a great time to be a fan, and that kind of made me like them more. In that, people didn't really like the way the Ravens played, but they still won. Well, I think that. It's almost poetic justice that the Ravens would save the world from one more lawyer, right? And I think that's, <laughs> that's outstanding. But yeah, take, take me inside the stadium because one of the things that I used to love to watch on the, when we do a Ravens game and any time that, that they were on TV and Ray Lewis's intro what was the stadium like when he would get out there and all of a sudden through the fog he'd be out and do his thing it was it was goosebumps it was hairs on the back of the neck and it it sounds sort of corny but if you were a Ravens fan and you were waiting for that intro, the Ravens do they do the stadium thing really well. Some some teams do it better than others, um, but the player intros was always big, and, and you kind of you always look forward. They always did alternate, uh, so they do offense one week um, and, and defense the other. Um, but yeah, when when Ray came out uh, and they'd play Nelly and Hot in Here, and uh, he'd get that turf and do his dance, uh, do the squirrel. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely hairs on the back of the neck. And, and and often, you know, you'd have the opening game of the season where Ray would do that and you'd have the Jets fly overhead and you just, you couldn't beat that uh, pregame. It was, everyone was pumped. As a Raven fan, a guy that, that you know, fell in love with a team and, and obviously they had so much success. Um, to watch him that last season when he's struggling with a bad elbow most guys probably couldn't have played. He found a way onto the field and found a way onto the field, not just onto the field. He found a way to be a difference maker down the stretch. That Super Bowl, was that your favorite Ravens Super Bowl championship? Um, well, yeah, because I'd, I'd missed the first one by like two months. I mean, I became a fan just after they won uh, Super Bowl 35. So, um, but the, that that was fairly magical and, and it's kind of typical Ray in that, unless his arm had literally been torn off, he wasn't going to miss that playoff run. Um, even though doctors said there's no way you're going to be able to, you know, play it, your career's done pretty much. Um, and yeah, I mean, even, even though he obviously dropped off in his last few seasons, he was still maintaining a level that was so high compared to a lot of other you know, linebackers in, in the league at that time. That um, yeah, it was, it was fairy tale, And the same for Ed Reed as well. It was Ed Reed's last uh, season for the Ravens. Obviously he didn't retire. Um, but to see Ray uh, and Ed Reed play together for basically the prime of their career, I consider myself very fortunate. Um, to me, that's as good as being able to watch 
Peyton Manning or Tom Brady in the in the prime of their careers as a kind of you know with an offensive team. But to see those guys, and also we were we were spoiled. We had such a good defense, um, and it wasn't just it was like people like Bart Scott, Terrell Suggs, uh, Adalus Thomas that was you know a beast, Haloti Nata that was I got his rookie jersey yeah. and still one of my favorite players. So um, yeah, it was it was it was amazing. You know, uh, a couple of things, just side notes. Um, when we went to Minnesota for the Super Bowl in Minnesota, the Eagles Super Bowl in Minnesota, uh, I had an opportunity. They had a thing, uh, a bunch of Polynesian people got together and they put together a luau at the, uh, in Minnesota of all places, as cold as it was for that Super Bowl. And Haloti was there. And I have a picture of me next. Now, I'm not a big guy and he is a big guy. But when you stand next to Haloti Nata, like his head reminds me of a buffalo's head. I mean, he his head is like that big. I mean, he is an impressive, impressive man. The other Raven guy that I don't know if you have had an opportunity to know his story, but uh, I had a player in 1991. Um, oh, no, excuse me. I'm sorry. It was 93. His name was O.J. Brigance, and O.J. was an outstanding linebacker and then uh, left the CFL, went to the Dolphins, and then went to the Ravens and um, had a, was a great player, a tremendous, tremendous person, and was stricken with ALS. But the Ravens, Ray, I mean, the Ravens did a great job of taking care of him and, you know, keeping him involved in the organization. And I, I don't know if you ever met OJ, but man, oh man, that told me an awful lot about the organization, the way they treat their own. And Steve Bashotti has a reputation around football people of being a guy you want to work for. And, you know, I think they, they are one of the teams, Ben, that I've picked for a bounce back year because I think this is going to be a good year for the Ravens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think just going back to, to OJ, yeah, that was um, a, a great example of the way that the Ravens look after their own. When I was in Baltimore, he was he'd retired. But obviously, he won Super Bowl thirty five. He was on that team, um, and he was actually hosting at that time. He was hosting the weekly Ravens TV show on on local affiliate network. Uh, before, and, and obviously, he was he was struck with ALS and. It, I actually did a 5K run uh, last year for the, uh, it was a 5.7K run for 57 OJ uh, for his foundation. They do an annual run. So I'd encourage people, if you see, if you look at that, because I think it's coming up, um, you can do it virtually. Um, but OJ Brigand's foundation, um, definitely worth looking at. Um, but yeah, I, I'm lucky to have worked, you know, kind of, since I've started doing this, I've contacted the Ravens because we try and do a UK Ravens trip every year. And just from top to bottom, they're class. And not just, I'm not just saying that because I'm a Ravens fan, but when they came over in 2017 for the Jags game, which I would, let's not talk about the game, but the weekend was, um, they, they got in touch with us because I had um, kind of a thing with the UK Ravens and they said, well, do you want to come meet us in the Admiralty, which was the team pub for the Ravens? And I went, yeah, okay. Because I said, we're looking for somewhere where we can basically have a Saturday night party for UK fans because this is the first time you've been over and a lot of people haven't seen the team of Baltimore yet. So, um, and they said, okay, well, here's the bar. We've got this like, downstairs place um, and it's like the entire downstairs of the bar. Um, was this okay for you? And I went, well, yeah. Um, but what, what, what do we need to, how much of this do we have and, and what would it cost? They go, no, you can have it. So the Saturday night before the game, um, they had, 
they gave us this whole room. Uh, we got like 120 UK Ravens in um, to, to to fill it. Um, they sent down Poe, the cheerleader. Uh, sorry, it was Poe, the mascot, and the cheerleaders. And then who should show up but Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis, who just they just sent down to say hey. And had photo, and they had photos with everyone in that room. They all lined up, and they did photos with everyone. And it was just such a classic thing to do. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about this. You just mentioned this, and this is touchdown trips. Now, um, the Beatles had a ma- magical mystery tour, but you, you, you've got the All Star tour. Tell tell us what the All Star tour is all about. Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of links in with what I was saying about. Um, sort of the game day experience that I, you know, was lucky to see every, every other Sunday in, in Baltimore and um, why I started, um, you know, this, this company was so the touchdown trips. We started in 2016. Um, and just cause I, you know, I was in travel anyway. I love football. So I thought, well, let's try and combine the two. And also I, I'd been to Wembley and, and those are great days out, but you know, you don't have that the same kind of tailgating atmosphere. You don't really have the weather. You don't have the crazy fans as much as well. And you also don't have that partisanship that you maybe get uh, at a home game where 90, 95% of the crowd are kind of rooting for one team rather than the other. Um, so yeah, all-star tour, that's kind of the, we do like an annual multi-city tour every year. We've done great lakes before we've done deep South. Um, we kind of did last year with sunshine. So it was Florida and stuff. Cause we thought everyone needed some sunshine after the last two years. This year we're looking at uh, all-star because we, we try and do like new places we haven't done yet on one of these tours. So this year, just the way the schedule lined up, we thought, well, let's do Thanksgiving. So we're going to Dallas. Uh, so we're flying in and uh, we're staying at the stockyards because I want everyone to, actually I've got in Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is me. This is, this is me on a. You got to do this. You got to ride the ball. You know. Yeah, so you, you, you got that Billy box. So we're staying at um, the Fort Worth Stockyards um, for three nights, and we're going to AT and T on Thanksgiving uh, for the Giants game, and we'll do a tailgate before that. We got to do a tour of uh, Jerry World on the Friday before we fly out, and we're going then to Nashville. Um, because Nashville was kind of promised for the 2020 tour, and then obviously we had to cancel that because of the pandemic. So I keep telling people that are coming back, okay, we'll try and do Nashville because it's a great... Last time I was in Nashville was 2009 for the AFC Divisional game, which the Ravens may have won, 13-10. But, uh, so we'll be there for a Vanderbilt game as well. So it's Vanderbilt against Tennessee on Saturday. And, yeah, so it's a nice... It's a rivalry, kind of a rivalry game. And then we've got... Um, yeah, then we've got Titans-Bengals um, Sunday, which I'm looking forward to because uh, it's good. To, this Bengals team are actually good to watch. Uh, and then we've got Monday uh, driving. So we, we try and do a coach. So normally we do more coaches because of the cost of fuel. <laughs> we had to like limit the, the coaches this year, but we're going to drive from um, Na- uh, where we're we going from Nashville to Indianapolis. We're stopping for lunch in Louisville. Maybe see Lamar Jackson's old haunts or something. And then um, we'll get there mid afternoon. We'll do Monday night football, which will be Colts Steelers. Um, and then Tuesday we fly to Boston um, just because this is the way it works out on the schedule, and we'll do three nights. We'll do a tour of Fenway Park on Wednesday. Thursday we'll do uh, Patriots-Bills, which is going to be Thursday night football, which should be a good way to finish the tour, and then Friday we'll fly home. So, it's again, it's 10 nights and four NFL games and one college game. Uh, tour of Fenway, and I'm hoping we can slip in some kind of maybe an NBA or an NHL game in Boston if the schedule allows. So that's that's kind of what we do on these tours. Well, I'll tell you what, you're going to have an amazing time because you talk about everyone. Cowboys-Giants mm-hmm. is a must 
I mean, that's a must-watch NFL game. If you, you know, it's like the Bears and and Green Bay. It's mm-hmm. one of those rival rivalry games. Tennessee and Cincinnati, right? Awesome game. You got the best running back in football and the best young quarterback in football in that game, and maybe the best young receiver in that game. And then you go Indianapolis and the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Man, what? And then, then you finish it. You're finishing it off in New England. And, you know, if you can't get to an NHL game, I'll tell you what, they play a brand of college hockey in Boston that is really, really good. And you can get to a bean pot game. How many of these tours are you guys doing now? Well, we, we, we used to just do kind of do two, but we've got nine <laughs> set up for this year that uh, we've got, um, you know, we do some fan groups get in touch with us and we, put it together so the uk packers uh, the uk and irish i must say irish packers because steve's irish um yeah they do a tour to green bay every year and that's just crazy we put it on sale last week and it sort of it basically sold out in three days so we're trying to get more more rooms at the moment because those packers cheeseheads are just hard to get rooms in green bay yeah, I know it's it's a it's a it's it's okay. We, we we're getting there with that, so we'll open that for sale again soon. But we do the you know, we're doing the Ravens one. But the one I like the most this year that um, you know I think is is a great double header is with because I, I love New Orleans, so I'm I'm always trying to just get people to New Orleans because I think a lot of people in the UK you, they look at sort of New York and Orlando and you know sort of uh, LA, San Francisco and stuff, but they kind of miss these kind of really uh, authentic, uh, fl- you know, flavorful U.S. cities. New Orleans is kind of up there with, you know, the Superdome being noisy as hell anyway. Um, but this year we're doing, um, we're flying out on the on the Friday, and then Saturday we've got LSU Alabama um, <laughs> at, at, at Tiger Stadium. And then, and then Sunday we don't have a game because the game's Monday night, so we get to watch NFL Sunday on Bourbon Street or wherever we're going to be. And then Monday night is uh, Saints Ravens, and then fly home Tuesday. So I mean, that's a four night tour, and I really like that one. So I'd say anyone that's listening or watching this now that kind of wants to experience insane college game day, which would be LSU, uh, and a really good NFL atmosphere on Monday night in the Superdome, I, I just think that's a really good uh, combination. So, uh, but the, and, and one thing I need to add as well is we're also offering the first ever women only nfl tour it's called the gridiron girls tour that we're doing this year uh, we're working with phoebe Schechter um on this and um uh, we, we just and this is my wife's idea because my wife's always saying why do you always get to go and leave the tours because she's a big football fan too i kind of converted her from giants to ravens when we met but uh, she's from jersey so uh, but um but but i, I said well it's because we, we, we always we always get a few inquiries every year of kind of well you know how yeah? What's it going to be like? Is there a lot of guys on this coach and stuff? And and there's such a burgeoning, enthusiastic female fan base that know as much, if not more, than the male fans over here. Um, we just thought, well, let's let's put one out there and try and see if we can get you know enough enough girl fans on to to, to get. And it's all it's going to it's run by my wife, and and it'll be all female. Well, I tell you what, that's a fantastic idea. Now, go back to Alabama LSU. Yeah. Like that, that game right there, if you didn't do anything else, if you just flew there for that game and flew home, it yeah. would be worth twice whatever you're charged. I'm just telling you, because yeah. I have coached in that stadium in Death Valley. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. When I was a kid, right, Ben, we didn't have a lot of money. We had five kids, didn't have a lot of money. So on Saturday nights, it uh, uh, like a big deal to us was my dad would throw us all in the car, a station wagon, Studebaker station wagon that we had. 
we drive to the A&W root beer stand and you could buy root beer, little kid root beers for five cents, like that big, right? And the radio, the car radio could get WOWO New Orleans, which is LSU's flagship station in New Orleans. And so we would listen to LSU football games at night while we're drinking our five cent root beers. And that was our night out, right? And I can remember that like LSU would score a touchdown and you could not hear the guy be screaming into the microphone and you couldn't hear him. Now that was when the stadium sat 85,000. It's over a hundred now. So I'm coaching at Louisiana tech. We go down to play LSU and I call my mom and dad and say, Hey mom and dad, come on down. We're going to play LSU. It'll be a lot of fun. This is the stadium that we used to listen to the games at and all that stuff. Right. So I asked the head coach, could my parents ride on the bus to the stadium? And you got, you, you know, you stay at the hotel in downtown Baton Rouge and you to LSU's campus. It's really small, little narrow streets. So the buses have to wind and the entire campus is full of tailgaters. I mean, it is like everybody's in purple and gold and everybody's been drinking since Tuesday. Right. And people in Louisiana, South Louisiana is all Catholic. So they have fun down there. Right. <laughs> North Louisiana. Well, not, not so much, but so my parents are on the bus and we're, we're driving through campus and Ben, you start to drive through their tailgate and they start pounding on your bus. Boom, boom, boom. And they're going tiger bait, tiger bait, tiger bait. So my mom, little, my mom's a little demure little woman. And we pull up to the back of the stadium and have a rise at the back of the stadium where the bus pulls up to let the players off to go in the stadium. Well, LSU fans, the LSU has what they call Tiger Walk, and the, the, the team walks through the campus. College football, it does it the best, right? They walk through the campus, through all the fans, up onto this little knoll, through the band, and into the stadium. So we have to be there first. Well, they're beating on our bus and rocking our bus and all this stuff. And my mom, I let everybody else go off the bus. My, my, I let my dad go, and then I, I'm, I get behind my mother and to help her down off the and she's like 70 at this time. And she, they're screaming and yelling at you and all this stuff. And she gets to the bottom step of the bus that she's about to jump off, step off. And this old woman, almost as old as her, jumps right in front of her. And she gives her the one, she gives my mom the one finger salute. And she goes, we're going to kick your ass. <laughs> my mom was absolutely like what in the heck is this? We go into the stadium, and when the and the there's it's an old old stadium, so the the pathways into the stadium are really narrow hallways, right? Mm-hmm. Well, LSU has a live tiger that they have at their game named Mike, right? And what they do with Mike is they take him and they put him in a cage on wheels, and they wheel him right next to the visitors' locker room, right? And so our team has to walk past this 500 pound tiger in a cage with bars that are this, this much space between the bars and the cheerleaders when your team gets right in front of mike's cage they start to beat on mike's cage so he goes <laughs> and i mean to tell you that game was over before we teed the ball up because the and and it's from the start of the game to the end of the game it is non-stop noise partying and for alabama Oh, my God. That'll be a once-in-a-lifetime experience for the people traveling with you. Um, how does somebody 
jump on one of your tours? How do they find out what you guys are doing? What's what's the way to follow you? Uh, just uh, it's touchdown trips, so that's kind of what everything is. So the website's touchdowntrips.com. The uh, social media, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they're all just slash touchdown trips. So if you go there, you can't really go wrong because that's where we are. Okay, now this is what I'm talking about when we when we said that, that we mentioned that this was these fan these fan focus segments are so special because here's a guy that didn't even follow football till 2001 takes advantage of an opportunity to go to the United States becomes a Ravens fan and now turn has turned his passion into his business and I if you get a chance to do that they and I'd say you're a pretty lucky guy so Ben I appreciate you very much coming on it's been awesome having you on if you're interested in any of these trips if you're interested in going to see either college football game or a professional football game, get a hold of Ben at Touchdown Trips and make your dreams come true. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate having me on. Thank you. You got it, brother. That's cool. I loved it. That was awesome. I tell you what, how about that? Didn't even follow football till 2001 and now has found a way to make his passion his living. And for the God, like – when he said Vanderbilt, Tennessee college football game, I said, Ooh, that's a, that's a big game. Now, Tennessee, Tennessee usually smashes them, but it's a big football game, right? Are we going? I'm a, hey, listen, you don't ever have to ask me twice about going to a college football game. So I, I love college football. The passion of college football is just amazing. That's uh, like taking away the commercial thing here, everything just talking generally as fans of the game. That tour that they've got planned around Thanksgiving is ridiculous, isn't it? Unbelievable! Like I'd I'd love to do it. Like if not, like I mean the thing is they they do it every year. But if if you're interested, check out the website. Um, I think it's touchdowntrips.com. Or just yeah, touchdowntrips.com at touchdowntrips on Twitter. Maybe I can meet you halfway, Jeff. If, if... The All Star Tour, the All Star Tour, and it is truly an All Star Tour. But. Hey, listen, man, you couldn't go wrong with any of those games, but then you combine all those games and all the other things. Think about that. You get Nashville, Tennessee. It's all it's a city ordinance. You got to have a good time when you're in Nashville or they throw you out of the city. So New Orleans, no better party city in all of America. LSU Stadium on Saturday night, Death Valley. I mean, come on, man. That is awesome. I think we're going to have to do it, Jeff. I think we're going to have to pull some strings and uh... – inform our other halves that we're going on Thanksgiving. You, you'll have to tell Sky that you're going to have to do Thanksgiving from the stadium. <laughs> There'll be no turkey. Um, here, um, we've, we've got a few questions. Like, I mean, I know the first one here is from Owen, and fa- thanks to Owen for commenting on, on YouTube as well tonight. Owen, really appreciate it, man. You can check the show out on YouTube um, as well, folks, if you want. Uh, Aloha, Aloha, Coach. Happy retirement to Romeo Crennel. What a great coach. Any stories about him? And Owen also said where he's from, which is Mumbles in Wales. I think it's in Wales, yeah? And a big congratulations to Wales for getting uh, to the World Cup. First time in 58 years. So uh, it's been 20 years since Ireland got Jeff, and I'm just very jealous. But I'm very, very happy for the Welsh. Well done. I, I, that's really a cool story. The first time in 50 years getting to, the, getting to the World Cup. That's an awesome, awesome thing. You know, it's funny. I, I think about Wales, and I remember um, – I think it was the, maybe the first time they did it in Cardiff. England went down to play rugby in Cardiff. And 
Johnny Wilkinson was the big star for the English team at that time. Yeah, you're going back a few years here, man. This is before but my time. <laughs> just, it, was such, it was such a cool thing because I remember England comes out and they got their beautiful white uniforms on with the, with the rose and, you know, the whole deal. And then they announced the Wales team. And the Wales team comes out of the tunnel, right? And it looked like they just drove through town to every bar they had and picked up guys on their way and gave them a suit to wear, right? And I'm thinking to myself, there is no way. The, the, I said, England will beat these guys by 50 points, right? And then all of a sudden, before the game, the entire crowd started to sing, right? And I thought, uh-oh, maybe not. And there was a young kid. You probably would, you're a rugby guy, so you would remember who he was. He's like a, he's like a rock star in Wales. And um, he, he kicked a ball to, for Wales to win the game. And it was like, it's, it's the reason you watch. What, what, what year are we talking here? Like, what? I can't, I can't remember, but it, it I can't, I, and, and I cannot remember. It's, maybe some, one of our viewers or listeners can come up with the guy's name, but he was like a, he, he was like a superstar. I mean, a superstar. And he had a, Gavin he had, Henson, apparently. Is that? Gavin Henson? Yeah. 2005. I that. Yeah. I believe you're right. I believe you're right. And it was awesome. It was just so cool because Wales was so proud and they had knocked off the English and, you know, so I thought that was cool. Um, you know, I, you talk about Romeo Cornell, and the thing that I would tell you in terms of a story is there are very few guys in football coaching that whenever you talk, whenever you hear guys talk about them, it's always with reverential treatment, right? Like, what a great guy he was, what a, what a, you know, what a good human being, you know, um, and Romeo Cornell was one of those guys. Everybody I know that had worked with him or worked for him or, or been around him, they all said the same thing. Class guy, even keel, you know, great leader, all this stuff. And to see him now step away from the, the game of, you know, being in 50 years in the game, Really a credit to him, and, and uh, I hope he has a tremendous retirement, whatever he chooses to do. We've got a few more questions, Jeff, before we bounce off for the week. Uh, All right. Take a bye week next week, yeah? Get you up for it? Yeah, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, better than that? Richard, I'm, 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 I'm literally joking, don't worry. Richard in England wants to, Richard Moorcroft in England wants to say, Jeff, uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on Tua going into his third year. Clearly, it's a prove-it year, but I actually thought he played really well in year two and have high hopes with having Hill, Waddle, Gasecki, Edmonds. Gasecki's an interesting one because we've seen Dalton Schultz, the tight end in Dallas, throw the toys out of the pram, and we're not talking about Jerry Jones here, but uh, him and Gasecki are both, am I correct in saying they're both franchise tags, and both teams have got until the 15th of July to pay, to pay them. And if you look at... Um, the Cleveland Brown situation where they end up paying a guy 15 million per year. Something's got to give. Well, I think here's what the franchise tag does. So we'll talk about the franchise tag and then we'll get to Tua. But when you talk about the franchise tag, Mike, what that can do is some teams will do it to get a player under, you know, under contract, keep a player at a value less than they know he's worth. Right. But it's a one year deal. Right. 
what it also does, it buys you more time to negotiate with a player. So if you don't franchise tag him, he becomes a free agent. If you do franchise tag him, then you now have, you have him locked in for the next year, but you have a period of time where you can negotiate with him and try and come up with a long-term solution. What's interesting about what Dalton Schultz did is when he doesn't show up for voluntary minicamp, he's basically throwing it back at the club. And, and uh, you know, you don't want to see that because it can be, th- those things can be acrimonious. But uh, again, it's just part of the whole negotiation process. If, you get, if you're going to get your feelings hurt in the NFL, you're going to, NFL and the pro football negotiations, you're not going to last very long. Um, about Tua, and I'm glad Richard brought this thing up because I have been a Tua fan since day one. Does he have limitations? Yes, he does. Biggest limitations to me, limitation to me, isn't his his arm strength, which is what, the one that everybody talks about. His biggest limitation to me is his ability to stay healthy. And part of that is he's not a very big guy. And so what has been a problem for him has been that he's been hurt some in his career so far. And let's face it, the guy's had how many offensive coordinators in the, in a very short NFL career? It's very, very difficult to, to, to explain to somebody just how much that means to a quarterback. Because the offensive coordinator and the quarterback have got to see things the same way. They've got to be on lockstep. Here he goes with, you know, his he has a rookie offensive coordinator, then he gets a veteran offensive coordinator, but it's the, it's the same old deal. Mike, you may say blue and you think it's the color of, you know, the ocean. And I say blue and it's the color of, you know, it's navy blue, right? Well, it's still blue, but it's different. And so now the same thing's true. What do they call a curl route? They may call it a hook. They may call it a curl. It might be 12 yards deep. It might be 10 yards deep. That's all information and changes that he has to deal with. And then we add on to the fact that we've had shortened training camps, less preseason games, less reps, you know, all of it. It's made it extremely difficult for him. And he's playing in front of an offensive line that has struggled to protect him. So it's it's not a great mix when you talk about developing a young quarterback. So I think this is a positive step. I think what what, uh, is going to happen is the coaches in Miami now will do a good job of taking some pressure off of him with schematically, giving him things he can do. He's extremely a- a- accurate, makes good decisions, and he gets the ball up early. He's got plenty of arm for Tyree Kill or any receiver that he has. So I think he's going into a prove-it year, yes, uh, but every quarterback in the NFL, except for three or four or five of them, are all in prove-it years. And so for Tua, I'm – pulling for him and for the Dolphins, Coach McDaniel, I'm pulling for it, for those guys uh, that, that they're able to, you know, get that thing going. They got the talent in there now, and, and, you know, they now just have to protect him and give him a chance to do his thing. Pressure is always there, isn't it? Uh, last question this week is from John, who is in Edinburgh, in Scotland, I believe. Edinburgh, Scotland. Who do you think will be quarterback one for the Steelers? Um and how do you think Kenny Pickett will go on in the NFL? I'm sensing that John might be a Steelers fan. Uh, I'm going to say Mr. Trubisky. All right, you're going to say Trubisky, and I'm going to say before very long, it's going to be Kenny Pickett. And I think 
where they do you think this season yeah like as in this season i hope not frankly i hope not for kenny pickett because i'm concerned about guys playing too soon and and getting you know getting beat up and you know you got to look at that offensive line no matter who's playing quarterback there it may be olicom the the seventh round pick out of south dakota state maybe kenny pickett maybe mr bisky it could be any of those guys they got four quarterbacks in camp but I just don't know how they're going to protect them with the offensive line that they got. It's, it was bad last year in defense of the offensive coordinator. I don't think we saw what Matt Canada can do last year. I think he was trying to work around, trying to, everything was a work around Ben Roth, Ben Roethlisberger and his, you know, declining skill set. Um, Najee Harris is going to help him, but, I just really think that the guy that gives them, we'll see that the guy that gives them the best chance is going to be Kenny Pickett. And not because Mitch Trubisky isn't athletic enough or doesn't have a big enough arm or any of those other things. I just don't know if, if, he, if he's, again, he's a one-year starter at North Carolina, goes to the Bears, has one decent year. Defensive coordinators start getting more tape on him, and all of a sudden, you know, he's now on what team, right? So, um for me, I would say Pickett by midseason should be the quarterback. Okay, I like it. Um, I'm sure you're going to see plenty of him or plenty of the Cedars on Sky Sports this year with some of the games that they have. Man, it's going to be a really interesting year to see for the Cedars this season. Um, have you any final comments to make on the show tonight, or have you, have you anything you want to no, say? No, I just I, I was really like, do you realize we had almost five thousand people join the show just on Twitter? last week and for this time of year that's outstanding i want to thank everybody all the tribe that that stays with us all week long keep sending in your questions keep sending in your comments your rants all that stuff stay with us because it, it's going to get better as we go into the summer and closer and closer to the season i know for you you are just about ready to go on summer vacation as a teacher and what's going on with you I'm joining the uh, Indianapolis Colts as a backup quarterback. Uh, finally going <laughs> to give it a go. Uh, not, nothing's going on. Just having a quiet few weeks, and you know. Well, there's it. big news coming. I hear. And is so there? Is it? Yeah, Jesus. I hear there's big news for both of us coming. So oh, fans got to stick around. Got to stick around if you remember the tribe. And uh, <laughs> you know that we're inside now of what three months till we have football again. Because yeah. we will, we it's, will it's be, three months this week, so it's three yeah. months tomorrow. Kickoff, um, kickoff, and I'm talking about I, you know, unlike you, months, uh, I love, unlike you, I love football, Mike. So, training camp is, is football to me. Did you see the training camp schedules got released today, too? Do you know, I was that busy, I seen the announcement for the primetime preseason games, but I haven't, I haven't seen it, so please invigorate me with some, with some knowledge. I tell you what, I'm interested for Jeff. Um, I know that a lot of, you know, first teamers or starters don't play after the first preseason game. I am still intrigued to see certain players play the first game. Um, obviously, jealously, or you know, I'd love to see Russell Wilson play that first few snaps for the Broncos. But uh, you know, you got the Raiders with the, their new additions. They play the Hall of Fame game. Might be too early for them, but there will be some sort of storylines. In this preseason, and just going on your on your last question, Kenny Pickett. 
he's going to get a lot of time in preseason, I'd say. Well, here's the thing, and, and you know, this is great. This is great stuff to chop up because you think about it now. They've taken away a preseason game, right? So it, it's even more difficult for a young quarterback to be able to play early in his career, for a young player to make a football team. I think what's going on right now for Pittsburgh is critical. Mm. Every rep that Kenny Pickett gets right now is critical. And, you know, the same thing's true, as you, as you mentioned, Russell Wilson. I think it's true across the board where, where, you know, Marcus Mariota, you know, all of the guys that are in that quarterback carousel that we have every year, for them to get with their clubs and start to develop a rapport with the receivers, um, with the coaches in the locker room, it's more than just what goes on in the practice field. Right. And that's Coach Vermeil said it great. He used to say, you know, you, you coach a team during the season, you build a team in the off season. And I think that's really a truism. It's been like the show, isn't it? We're building and building. I like it. I like it. We're doing it, baby. We're doing uh, it. There's, don't worry. There's no bye week next week. I'm joking. Um, I might, there might be a bye week in two weeks. I'm going to fly to Nest for a week. I, I can see you're getting worried already at the prospect of this. We haven't had a week off in nearly two years. So who, uh, needs, who huh? needs time off? That's really overrated. I think we could we, we could say we take a week off, but then we do what needs done. We go to Jacksonville and meet like Trevor Lawrence and stuff and just mess about. And hey, I can't wait. Can't wait to hear all the interviews that he did down there and what he what is what his impressions of Doug Peterson and their the, you know the mini camps that they're they got going on because you know the when you get when you go into a new program you get additional time with your team um, which is an important factor and you've inside the huddle club is it this, this thursday yeah uh actually we're, gonna, we're not going to have one this week we're, we're going to take a take a mic we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> I, take a mic, I did not we're know take a mic he did not bring this up i genuinely didn't know <laughs> hey am i gonna see you at the at the Nebraska versus uh, Northwestern game, or what's going on? Are you do you got tickets? Are you going? I'm I ha- I actually um I'm hoping to go with media and how you know oh shut up sort of thing is that but I'm I'm hoping to go to the game if needs be I'll buy tickets um you can get ticket tickets on Ticketmaster.e right now there's my plug uh, I'm hoping to go I live about uh, ninety minutes from the stadium so I'll definitely be there um. I'm treating it the same as a London game for me because it's a big thing for us being able to jump on the train or drive down to a game. So uh, I don't know. Are, are you going to be there? Are, are you going to be? You, yeah, I mean, like, Jeff, you've done Croke Park. Are you going to do the other stadium or what's the plan? I got to Steve, I got I to gotta go. I got to go. I'm hoping to be there. I'm hoping to be there. And if I'm there and you're there, then the whole tribe's got to be there. I like it. I like it. Uh, let's see. And we'll, we'll leave it at that for now. But uh, I'll see you next week. And it'll be no bye week. Don't worry. Yeah. All right, buddy. Take care. Aloha. Take care.